Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's one of my favourite pictures. I found it in the attic of a flat I used to live in in London. And what it is, is a sort of a sepia sketch of a little boy scout, a little sort of camp little boy scout who's got his hand on his hip and one leg kind of at a jaunty, you know, slightly showgirl kind of angle. And um, he's looking over his shoulder and over his shoulder, touching his shoulder, is Jesus for some reason. <laughs> I have no idea either. Here's a harmonica. I've always meant to learn to play it. And I never have. And today I'm talking to the lovely Kirsty Wark. And, and there was some big story about something that was happening um, in Lebanon. I can't remember what it was. And I, this guy was right beside me and I turned around to speak to him about it. And he seemed quite knowledgeable. We, we did the interview and I said, thanks very much. He said, oh, I was on to talk about the UM25 extension. Kirsty Wark is a Scottish journalist, television presenter, now novelist, and she's best known for hosting BBC Two's Newsnight, which she's done since 1993. The item from my shelves that I'm talking to Kirsty Wark about today is this. Can you hear it? It's a little cassette, an audio cassette box with a cassette in it. And on that cassette is a recording of a show. The show was called Scones and Tea with V&B. And it went out on, on Radio Scotland in 1988. Now, Scones and Tea with V&B was a show that I co-hosted with my friend Forbes Masson in our alter egos, Victor and Barry. And what we did was we went to various famous people. Went to Kirsty, went to Ian Hislop, who was the editor of Private Eye. We went to the politician, David Steele, and to the actor and presenter, Nicholas Parr. Parsons, and they had to pretend that they had been members of Victor and Barry's Amateur Musical Society, the Kelvin Side Young People's Amateur Dramatic Arts Society in the past, and that we had you know, obviously launched them on their road to stardom. So we went to Kirsty's house in Glasgow, Forbes and I, in 1988, and for some reason we did the interview on Kirsty's bed, the three of us sitting <laughs> on her bed, and um, it was very funny, and she was a hoot, and... You know, I think she's just great and we've been friends ever since. Thanks for doing this, Kirsty. It's so nice of you. Not at all. So funny. I listened to Victor and Barry again. Oh my <laughs> God, you were about 10. <laughs> well, you must have been about 12 then. No, no, 1988. <laughs> what was I? I was, I was 30, I think. Are you really? It's so funny. I because I've got this little cassette box. That's the item that I'm talking about. The little yes. cassette that with it. Because uh, you know what happened was that it was sort of 
uncovered. It's like sort of, you know, it's like the Mormons. We found the the cassettes of Victor and Barry, the lost materials, uh, in a in a sort of a trove. And uh, amongst them was was uh, we were these um, interviews that we did, and it's so crazy because I. You know, that was what, 1988? That's 30 blah, blah years ago. I have, a, I have a very slim grasp on most of what happened there in that time. So it's actually amazing to hear hear yourself and be reminded of yes. what went on. What are your memories of that auspicious well, that, night? That, um, I can remember, because what programme was it on on Radio Scotland then? What programme was it on? Because I it was, knew all about it was, Victor and Barry. Well, Victor and Barry had been doing things on TV and various things for a while. Yes. And this was a series called Scones and Tea with V&B. With Victor and B- yes. It, yeah. And so it was you, uh, David Steele, uh, mm-hmm. Ian Hislop and mm-hmm. uh, Nicholas Parsons. Were our, we did <laughs> Their first four, what programme? Because they were only like 10 minutes. So what, where did they go out on? Radio oh, Scotland I don't know. Or some, Radio 4? Something on, oh, I know. Something on Radio Scotland. Yeah, I yes, think. right. Yeah, and Radio but Scotland. Victor and Barry were well known then. I mean, but the funny thing is, I mean, yeah. this is we don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But what I find very funny listening back to it is how much like Stanley Baxter you sound. It's like <laughs> yeah. you're channeling Stanley Baxter. Like I don't know if you ever saw Stanley Baxter as a kid at the Panto. Oh, of course. Oh, not at the Panto, but on TV. But you knew, but obviously, yeah. and probably Amo Glasgow. Oh, yeah. so, you know, we had that, and Dad was in Victor's Stanley's class at school. Was he really? Yeah, Your they dad? were head together. Oh, they were head. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I adore Stanley and I just, mm-hmm. I feel that Victor mm-hmm. and Barry were definitely sort of, mm-hmm. you know. Even the music you were using was kind of music hall type music that you used exactly. in Victor and Barry. Yeah. The incidental music of, of that show was all kind of like gramophone kind yes. of funny old gramophone records. And there's a, the Victor and Barry were sort of in a, had such an inbuilt nostalgia thing. It's funny, Forbes and I were, Working on a project, a Victor and Barry project, actually, right now. Good. And it's so interesting to sort of realise, we are very nostalgic about it, because it's going to be, this is the, this is what we're working on, spoiler alert, but next year will be F- Victor and Barry's 40th anniversary, like the 40th Jesus. anniversary since we made them up. I know, it's just insane. So it's interesting to think that we were nostalgic, even when we were doing them at the time, mm-hmm. even when we were like, 19 there was this sort of nostalgia and this wistfulness and a sort of thing about Glasgow actually that was you know it was at that time in the late 80s when Glasgow was changing and it but I think it's always like that it's always there's always this sort of divide of kind of kind of you know no mean city sort of Glasgow mm-hmm. and then the kind of more refined Arts, arty and, but also arty and things were happening then and you know, clubs were closing down, but clubs were opening up. There was also there's quite a lot of change in Glasgow, and and then mm. artists were also starting to inhabit spaces that were yes. empty. You know, like they, yes. they had done before in New York, and then went on to do in Berlin. Right. So right, there's all exactly. that Wasp Studio. There was the Tron. All that stuff. Yeah. And all that school like um, uh, thingy. Wisniewski and that's yeah, Adrian Wisniewski and Alison Watt yeah. and um, yeah, Peter Watt. Housen. Oh, love her, yeah. love Alison. And Alison didn't Me really too. want to be entire. She did, they, she she went out with Adrian Wisniewski for ages, but she didn't really. She's been very much overshadowed by the new Glasgow boys. That's you know what 
that's the whole Glasgow Miracle, Glasgow School of Art thing. Really, Alison was not part of that. Her artwork, mm. though, is, is done, I think her art is just phenomenal. I went to Me a degree too. show. I didn't, Bridget McCann bought a head at the degree show, one of, of Alison's own uh, paintings of her head. I should have bought it as well. Wow. It's a beautiful piece. So it's interesting. We're already, we're talking about, we're being nostalgic about Glasgow. We're being nostalgic already. There's lots to be yeah. nostalgic about. I know. I, when you, when we came to your house, because the mm-hmm. joke in this, in this uh, episode on this uh, cassette is that we, I don't know how it ended up, but we ended up sitting on your bed. And that's why the joke, I know, I, was you that know, I sometimes. Before, it was that before Paula Yates did the bed. Why did we do the bed? Was that? Be, I don't, was oh, it's 1980. I don't know when, I don't know what it was something about sound or something. Yes, I can't remember. Like, that's what it was. And it, it was just better if we sat on the bed. But it was I, now I sometimes say in two truths and a lie. I said I've been in bed with Kirsty Wark. It's one of my <laughs> truths. <laughs> what What do you remember of that? I mean, I remember like at the time you were on Left, Right, and Centre, this political program yes. in Scotland, and and breakfast time and, and it's so funny because I'd forgotten that you were on breakfast time and that must have been cre- and you took did you take over from Frank Boff I luckily was not on with Frank Boff are we started by the way yes no. we started oh, yeah, I, thought we started. You, I thought we were just yeah. chatting <laughs> no oh. yeah well that's the thing we're just chatting <laughs> 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 who started Kirsty this is what you do realize. when you're a top international top international <laughs> journalist you see you have to make the interviewees so well, relaxed they don't realise you started right. the, um, I was on I was on yes I was on breakfast and I went down to breakfast because Sally Magnuson was having one of her endless children and uh, she was in maternity leave and I went down there and yeah and filled in for her then she came back and I just stayed I think I must just have been like the cuckoo I wouldn't go Frank Boff had left by then, I think, or else I was never on with Frank Boff and his terrible right. jumpers. And, and he, and that's what we talk about endlessly in the in this ten minutes thing. <laughs> cardigans, endless, and things that endless Frank cardigans, Boff. endless cardigans. And it was so crazy because Frank Boff was like everyone's the nation's uncle. He wore all these cardigans, and then and then it was like he was doing coke with prostitutes, and that was what was his. There sort was of, some big scandal, but he was. I, yeah. he I think he was away by then. Well, he's certainly away in his head by then. Um, but he, he, he was away by then, I think. That wasn't um, what made him leave breakfast time. I don't know, you know, I can't even remember. But then, you know, I, I can remember breakfast was a bit wild then because I remember it, when Jeremy and I did it together. And in the morning, if Jeremy you got Paxman. bored. Yeah, if you got bored, what oh. we did was we had this game we played where we sort of said go. And then under the table, we we're each trying to write down all the states of America as fast as possible to see who would win, just to keep ourselves <laughs> oh entertained. God. Oh my God, geek alert. Oh my God, <laughs> Kirsty, that's hilarious. Well, I mean, it was well, just fun. And the other thing, I can remember... Um, is this the, while you're the, on live TV? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're... Yeah. Hilarious. I, yeah, yeah. And I, I can remember, this is actually literally true. Um, people came on and off the set really, really quickly. And so you were kind of, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Who are you interviewing? Did you know exactly who you were interviewing? And and there was some big story about something that was happening um, in Lebanon. I can't remember what it was. And I, this guy was right beside me and I turned around to speak to him about it. And he seemed quite knowledgeable. We, we did the interview and I said, thanks very much. He said, oh, I was on to talk about the new M25 extension. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, That's you know, he, 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 it was so game. He was so game. He just, you know, spited out oh, a little 14 Oh, my God. 
I mean, it probably wouldn't happen now, but that was that was pretty wild west. Just to go back to the Victor and Barry for a minute, what was so enjoyable about that was it was almost like it was kind of hand knitted. We just did it, much like this podcast. Totally. Much like it, yes. Something, <laughs> something's never changed, Kirsty. Do you know what's know. so hilarious is that we, like, I, Forbes and I have been talking a lot recently about just how, what was so crazy was that, you know, when you do something and it's just, you're just being daft and you're probably inebriated or stoned when you mm-hmm. made up most of it. We were students at the start of it, you know. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it becomes a real thing and it's like your real job and re- people are taking you seriously and you're kind of, you know, it's it's big thing, big TV shows and things. It felt like, you know, the Emperor's New Clothes or something. It felt like mm-hmm. really... It, it, I, and, and the thing for me was that when our album came out and it was on the news, mm-hmm. I thought that was terrible. I just thought we shouldn't be on the news mm-hmm. because of our album. And it was that sort of funny. Well, it was so it a was, quiet news day in Scotland. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it was. But it was like, and finally, you know that bit. But, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think that I really love the hand knitted part of it. And also, so. what's so funny is that a lot of the gags that you know, a lot of the doing Victor and Barry and doing that, you know, on the spot stuff and. It, 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 when I listened to our interview, I was like rolling with laughter because some of it is so hilarious. And you, Missy, are hilarious as well. Some of your comebacks. Really, well, who knew, Kirsty? Uh, well, work? God, well, <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, it's, it's so true. it's so fun. Actually, uh, the one thing, I, I mean, we've talked about this before, but the one thing I think you really have to push harder for is to get the high life back. Uh, I adored well, it. Well, you know what was going to happen? That was 25 years last year or something. And mm-hmm. actually, the, the, it was when the new BBC Scotland channel had started and they uh-huh. approached they approached us and said oh you know it's 25 years do you want and we were sort of said, oh that'd be kind of fun we could do a sort of a a sort of like a documentary but, but do a little scene shoot a new scene from it but then they didn't have any money they didn't they couldn't then do nobody's it. got any money these days nobody's got any money except no. netflix but, that's right and uh, they don't want they didn't want us but <laughs> um but but uh the thing you know a lot of the lines a lot of the stuff that we did as victor and barry served us so well, so well as actors. It really did. Be- it really yeah, did. Yeah, because it's like soliloquies in Shakespeare are basically stand-up comedy routines. Yeah. Well, stand-up yeah. routines, maybe not so much comedy sometimes. But that enga- that lack of a fourth wall and that f- yeah. lack of fear about engaging with an audience is, I think, really I, defined I, I, both Forbes and I. I. Yes, and I think also that idea that it was a kind of, not this kind of 3D experience, but you had the tinkling of the cup. You had the the bedspread. Yeah. You had all yeah. that. It was all part of the the program. It was lovely in that sense. It was almost like a drama, but it wasn't. And it and yeah. it had a great intimacy as well. And you and Forbes created this great intimacy where everybody just felt safe chatting away about what they wanted to chat about. And so yeah. much of so much of television and radio is so closely manufactured. Exactly. That it's so nice not to have that. I love that. That's what I love about just. That's what I actually really like about podcasting is that uh-huh. it's 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 there's more license just to sort of ramble off into whatever you want to do you know to I me mean? i think that's sort of aside from those investigative ones you know but mm-hmm. uh when it's just as like, one person like me talking to you i think it's a it's a really i'm really i'm actually really i, I used to hate podcasts i just felt like oh because i had to do so many of them and i just felt like everybody had a podcast but now i think what's really nice is that it's it's like going back to the days of radio i'm doing like plays and things and you know, a lot of drama things that are going to be podcasts. It's like the old days when I used to do plays for Radio Scotland and Radio 4. Uh-huh. So it's, I, 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 I like it. 
In a way, I think radio is a great medium for drama because it allows the imagination to roam so fast. Whereas yeah. in television drama, unless it's a, well, you know, it's very difficult in television to do a slow-paced drama. You do fast-paced yeah. drama all the time. Slow-paced drama is trickier in television. I want to talk about you more, Kirsty Work, uh, because at that t- I want to go back to that time. So you were doing left, right, and center. Yes. And then were you doing left, right, and center first, and then you got asked to do breakfast? I was doing left, and right, and center, st- and then I got asked to do breakfast. And then after that, um, I had a great spell where I got asked if I would go and do the Late Show, which was unbelievably mm. remember a nightly hour-long art show on the BBC. Who knew? I know. Imagine. It was amazing, and so that was a tremendous experience. And then I really, I did that. I remember. Did flying just, to London when I was 36 weeks pregnant. You know, you're not really meant to fly after 28 weeks. But I was so determined gosh. not to have the baby born in London that I would fl- flew back um, every uh, after I did every late show. Um, and so um, I did that till I was 36 weeks pregnant, then carried on doing that. And then, then actually after James was born, uh, which was quite quick succession, I went to Newsnight, where I still am after all these years. It's crazy. Which is it partly enjoyable, but partly horrifying. <laughs> That's life, though, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, it doesn't yeah. feel like I'm doing the same job because it's absolutely different every day. It's like you being an actor. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you're you not exactly. doing the same thing every day. No. But uh, did so was there a spell then when you were just an arts correspondent, when you were on The Late Show? Uh, e- no, I was always doing the Scottish politics stuff. So you're I always, always doing the politics and, center, and yeah. art. I mean, yeah, that's been, that's I've been so, so lucky to be able to do this. You um, really are. I, it's been very unusual to be able to have, enjoy because I mean, I, my view is, and I'm sure this is yours too, is that if you're interested in you know politics and current affairs, you're interested in arts and vice versa. There isn't some kind of strange no. wall between people that are only interested in one thing, not the other. You know, it's yeah. just a kind of general curiosity and engagement exactly. with creativity, and, and that can take exactly. loads and loads of forms. You're writing novels now, aren't you? I'm writing novels. Yeah. You're writing a memoir? I'm not writing a memoir? (laughs) You know, you've not got a (laughs) memoir? Oh, your memoir would be fantastic. I can't remember it. Well, but it's all, I mean, there's so much of it must be, uh, you could get in the BBC archives in terms of the people in your work life. Yes, I'll I'll think about that one. Do you know one thing that in my extensive research for this uh, show, (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, was I was trying to find the famous... Uh, Margaret Thatcher interview with you and I just can't find it anywhere because I just think it's so fascinating and so much about gender politics as well as politics politics and and Scottish English politics as well can you just tell us a wee bit of the background about that because it really was a big landmark thing for you wasn't it? It was and um, basically people had not been voting for Margaret Thatcher in Scotland even after she introduced the council house sale, she couldn't understand it. Why she was, what was going wrong? What wasn't connecting? So the idea was yeah. she was going to have this big charm offensive in Scotland, and you know the BBC <laughs> said I was going to interview her, uh, and then suddenly Downing Street asked a few more questions just before she was about to arrive, and it dawned on them that I was doing the interview, and they said, "No, no, Mrs. Thatcher does not want to be interviewed by Kirsty Wark." And the BBC be- to because its you absolute were a woman. credit, a woman, because I was a woman. Um, and she'd only ever been interviewed by um, Miriam Stoppard over, a, I don't know what that was, and the woman of the sinking in the Belgrano. I think that was about her only two interviews with women. She didn't like being interviewed by women. Anyway, BBC stuck to the guns and said, OK, no interview then. That's and great, isn't it? Great. That was, so that it was, was great. George Sinclair, that was great. Absolutely. Bravo to uh, him. Bravo. And... Um, 
so um, it was a kind of very frosty um, encounter. She was trying yes. to, to in, in makeup, we were sitting back to back with each other, I think it was. And oh she was trying my to get God. all this feminist business. She obviously knew I was a feminist. And she was obviously trying to soften me up to try and talk about women's issues. And I knew that I had half an hour to do this interview and there was a lot to get through. And I'd done a lot of brainstorming with people and we just kicked off. Wait, and can we just go back? You're in makeup, getting your makeup on with Margaret Thatcher behind you. And she's trying yes. to, she's talking to you about feminism. Yes. Well, she's saying, oh, it's difficult for women kind of thing. And uh-huh. I wasn't really having any of that. So um, <laughs> wow. that, that, that wasn't going to work very well. So, and I think what, I mean, there's, it's called the one, well, I call it the one, two question, which is my first question, which what would the answer be? Which was, do you understand why you're so unpopular in Scotland? Ooh. which is either, yes, I do understand, so therefore, yeah. why the hell are you so... Or I don't understand, so why don't you understand? So that was the kind of one-two that... Right. And and she was kind of... She's taken aback, and the interview just kind of careened on from then. Um, what did she say? Then, she said, well, actually, our policies... I, I, I think people in Scotland really like it when I come. And and, and they, they always come to greet me. And they're very, very friendly. And they're buying their council houses. And so it went on. And then the problem was, though, that uh, she had two, both Malcolm Rifkind and uh, Michael Forsyth, who were two senior Tories. And, oh. um, and um, Michael Forsyth very close to at the time. And she, she was being prepped uh, before the interview. And she, make more make more connection with Mar- Scotland, Margaret. Make more connection. And then she started saying, we in Scotland. Now, we oh, in that's Scotland, right. for you. And, and a book's actually been called We in Scotland because it was so bizarre. I thought she'd just <laughs> misspoken. And then she kept saying it. And, um, yeah, and, and I think I was so, I was almost v- overly calm. I prepared very well, but the reason I was overly calm was I wasn't going to get het up because Alan and my doctor were the only two people that knew I was pregnant. I was what? in very oh, so early stages of my pregnancy with Caitlin, who was born on November what? 6th. This was in April. And nobody knew. God. So I thought, I am not going to get myself in a state because actually this baby is yeah, more important delicate. than Margaret Thatcher. Wow. Wow. Hello there. This is my friend Joe. Hi. Now, Joe plays rugby for England. Yeah, what's your point? Come on. Well, Joe presents a podcast and it's my firm belief that you should listen to it. Very interesting. And here's why. Because it's not actually a rugby podcast because, well, let's face it, there's billions of them already. No, 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 no. It's about you, the listener, and the jobs you do. If you're a teacher, an astronaut, a tree surgeon or a chef, then we've got loads of questions for you. The Joe Marler Show. Because... Everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. That's a great line. That's a that is a very good line from you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. You want to find it? Search for the Joe Marler Show in your podcast app. Because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I saw one little moment from it in a reel of stuff when you, an interview you did at BAFTA. And you are very calm. And But... but Gosh, that's so interesting to know that's the reason. But then the thing yeah. was, hadn't something happened that day in Parliament on a vote yes. and she didn't know about it? She didn't know about it. It was did. the 1922 committee had met and she didn't know about it. I said, well, I don't think you're right. And I just came in with the names really fast of Boom. the two people that had censured her. And then that was what kind of derailed her a bit. Did she I mean, get it's not mean? that you go. You don't go into an interview to get. You don't go into an interview to derail people. But you, you're prepared. You expect them to be prepared. And afterwards, yeah. she just berated me. Just came after me. We stepped off. What the did set. she say? She said, "I have never been inter- interrupted by anyone as much as you've interrupted me. I, I, outrageous, outrageous." I just wow. smiled. And that was it. <laughs> That's so great. So great. And um. <laughs> It's, uh, did she, was she, was she pissed off at Michael Forsyth and uh, Malcolm Rifkin? Well, I think they were just, they had their head in their hands at the side of the set uh, during it because oh. of this business of we in Scotland and not, you know. <laughs> and it was a time of great difficulty in Scotland, obviously, or you remember all the Ravenscraig, you know, stuff and everything and jobs the going. Closing and of factories, yeah. Very, very difficult, very difficult at, at the turn of the, the nine, early 19, late 18, 19, 89, 1990. And she just didn't seem to understand that. She just had no... And, you know, we were talking about everybody trying to save uh, industry in Scotland, George Unger. Lots of Conservatives are working cross-party to try and save stuff, and she wasn't having any of it. Wow. Did you ever interview her again? (laughs) No. Never. Never. Hilarious. She did not cross my path. I bet. Gosh, how exciting. You're like a little... (laughs) <laughs> what would that be like? You're sort of like the, 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 what's that word when people are scared of you and you. Oh, I don't know. Uh, a witch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this. I, I performed this at, um, at midnight at the Borders Book Festival a couple of years ago. It's my favourite short story. It's a Robert Louis Stevenson short story called Thrawn Janet. You must Ooh. read it. It is wonderful. And it's uh, very much about Calvinism, Presbyterianism and witches. And it's fantastic. That's my tip for Ooh, afternoon reading for you. Thank you. In my quarantine. Do you know, it's funny, thrown, for people who don't know, it's thrown a is Scottish word. word. Such a good word. It means like kind of mean and gnarly and kind of bitter, doesn't it? That's sort of yeah. the and, and stubborn. And stubborn, really, and as well. stubborn, yeah. And, and do you know what, what's so good? Um, the late Donald Dewar, who was a friend and you knew him as well, um, mm-hmm. would do things in Parliament if he was on his feet to try and confuse the stenographers. So what he would do is he would throw Scots <laughs> words in. So I try and do uh, that to Newsnight. I've used Thrawn, I've used Stramash, a terrible Stramash. Um, oh, and sometimes great. they get kept in, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to understand what that is. But I said, but it, they understand by the even nature of the way it's spoken what it is. Totally, it's, it's very on expressive language. And I've just finished recording a four-part uh, Radio 4 series in Scottish literature, which is, and it's our friend Ooh. Douglas is in there, and 
all sorts Douglas, of people uh, from the past. Winner. Douglas, Booker winner, and all sorts of people. And this idea that you've got Scots, like, you know, in Scotland language is so, you've got Scots, you've got Doric, you've got Gaelic. And you've got different vernaculars all over the place. And it's for such, such a, a tiny rich country. language. For such a tiny country. I know. I mean, it's where amazing, you're from, people speak differently, don't they? I mean, you know, totally. country folk where you're from. Yeah, when I, came to, when I came to drama school in Glasgow, people thought I was posh because I was from mm-hmm. the East Coast. It was mm-hmm. so interesting. And also just like how class is a different, there's, it's a different sort of class, like where I came from, it's kind of like feudal system. I mean, I grew up on a country yeah. estate, so it's a very different sort of thing. So it was, it was really, you know, and that's, it's so funny. I always think about this, like when I went to drama school, I left home and I was going to the big, but I'd, I'd only gone to Glasgow for the first time to go to audition. Oh God, that audition. Yeah, I was leaving home. I was going away to Glasgow to the big bad city. And it was like, an hour and a half drive. Now I do double that just to go to my place in the Catskills from New York. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Think nothing of it. It's so funny, just distance. I know. I wanted to go back to Thrawn because yes. you know El- you know Eleanor Braun, the amazing actress. Yes. When I played Hamlet, she played my mum. She played Gertrude, and we became mm-hmm. friends. And she's so lovely, and uh, and she and she, I think her dad was Scottish. I think that's right. She had a Scottish connection anyway. And, uh, and, oh, and she loved, you know, she's a real, she loves words. And so mm-hmm. she loved the word Thrawn. And I, I, I always called her Thrawn Braun, right? Because mm-hmm. so that was a funny thing. And I said, can I just call you, can I just call you Thrawn, Eleanor? Can that just be my pet name for you? And she just went, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, no. not having it, not having it at all. So Margaret Thatcher tried to sort of play mind games with you in makeup. Yes. I didn't quite think of the fact that you get makeup with the guests before the Well, that was in them. Glasgow, I think. In London, in the BBC in London, um, they would have different makeup rooms probably. Or actually in Newsnight, that's not true. In Newsnight, they come and sit in the same room. Not that we have new makeup just now. We haven't had makeup for yes. a year and a half. Um, yeah. But, but did it, you, but, have you, do, do you sometimes are in makeup with the people that you're going to then go on and yes. grill? Yes. And, and do people play mind games ever? Other people aside from Mrs. Thatcher? Uh, only once, actually. Only once, and that was Portillo. And oh. I, 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 that was the only time I actually had a broadcasting complaint upheld so, against me. I had a, a slightly ooh. bad-tempered interview with Michael Portillo. I'd come back to work too quickly uh, after my father had died, and then three weeks later, my mum's wonderful sister, my godmother, died. And I came back two weeks after that. Big mistake. And, of oh. course, that's that's no... That the viewer doesn't know that, nor should the viewer mm. know that. But I mm. realised that, I, and he and he said to me, he was a bit snippy in makeup. I was, oh, he says you tonight. I thought, oh god, uh, uh. yeah. Uh-huh. And then we went in, and I remember he used this word, and it's such a male to female word. He said, stop hectoring me, and I thought, Ew. no woman uses that about a man. Men only right. use that no. about women. Yeah, and 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 I probably did go in him uh, too hard, actually, but. There's a broadcasting complaint upheld against me. And actually, he's a much nicer man now. He's not a politician. But Right. Um, what was he at that point? What was his position? He, I think, was he armed forces minister or something? It was something like that. Mm. I can't remember. I think he was Ew. armed forces minister. And you said but that. Was so what happens when you get a complaint upheld against you? What does that you just mean? Get, no, that's just it, the, the BBC doesn't like that kind of headline in the newspaper. If it is indeed a headline. But that, I mean, I think it's quite extraordinary. That's the only one I've had upheld against me. And that was so <laughs> like 30, almost 30 years ago. Right, right. Because by and but you large, don't get fined large, or anything. 
No, 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 no. Sent to the back of the class. No, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> but but I do think that I do think that encounters are they can be. Is is this balance of getting light and heat really? And I think they are probably more. You, you're looking for more light, but a bit of heat doesn't harm. <laughs> That's good. I love that. You introduced me or reintroduced me to something that I just absolutely love, uh, and it's the the London to Scotland sleeper train. Oh, and God, I, I remember doing that years and years ago. And then I now, you know, for decades, I would just always either fly straight to Scotland or fly to London and then get a plane up. And you said, no, Alan, no. And, and I've been doing this when I, well, you know, when the world was normal. I fly to London, I get a day flight to London, get around about eight o'clock, get a taxi to Euston and get the overnight sleeper. And I just, it's north. one of the most... All it's the what? way you can go, place, you can go to Glasgow. You can go. Last time I did it, I got from Inverness all the oh, way to London, and it was on, wonderful. of course, the new swanky oh, on suites. I love the new one, and oh. the new and the food's better, and everything's lovely. Yeah. But you yeah. can get, and, and what's really lovely about it. So, say you get a day flight and you're going to eat, you can go and have dinner with friends, then get on the train. Yes. That's what's so yes. great. Or go to the theatre. So the thing about you is that you you've stayed in Glasgow all the time, even all these years when you've been doing Newsnight and. All these shows, you've you've continued to go up and down like that, and I I, I am I the love world's that. I mean, most regular commuter. I just never wanted to. I mean, look, I love London. I adore London. I love going out to the theatre. I love going out and see friends. I love going out for breakfast. That's my big thing. But I my, my, my I'm here. I I prefer to stay in Scotland. I mean, that, mm. that's always the way it's been. And I went down when I was a producer years and years ago. And I went down to work in the world at one. I stayed in Earl's Court for nine months and loved it. And I remember then they kept offering me a job to stay, stay on the world at one as a permanent producer. And I thought, no, because if I stay here, I'll never come back. Years and years and years ago, people just emigrated and that was it. But if you have a reasonable amount of money, as we have now, is that, you know, we are pe- we are people that are very rooted in Scotland, but don't have to be here all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that yeah. you, you're rooted in America, too, because obviously, you know, I, I, maybe it's New yeah. York, maybe it's the cat skills. I don't know which is more important to you. But... I think this idea that you can, you just don't go and stay away. That's the point. If you'd been, no, if you'd been doing right. this, if you'd been doing this 50, 60, 70 years ago, you would have probably just come back to Scotland occasionally. You probably wouldn't that's have right. worked in Scotland. And now no, you and see that's we can. Yeah, you can come, but there's, and there's really exciting things to come back and do as well. And I think, and also, you know, the way that our world is, it's easier to maintain a presence and a, Yes. A life in in both places it's you know it's it's i find that really interesting too and just i feel it's so funny like every morning i come down and ask alexa to play bbc radio scotland and that i feel so connected to just just yeah. hearing those people those voices and hearing those the news bulletins about stuff mm-hmm. and so when i speak to my mom and she goes you'll never guess what's happening i'm going i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah connecting connecting it's all about connecting i've got that tattooed on my arm you know only connect. Con- only yeah. connect. <laughs> okay, this last little bit I'm going to play you is the end of my conversation with Kirsty. But what happened was I was doing two in a row. I was doing Kirsty and then another Scottish legend, Lulu, the fabulous singer. But Lulu came on a little bit too early. Kirsty and I were still talking. So you'll hear this weird sort of echoey stuff and then you'll hear another Scottish voice. That's Lulu. <laughs> I just thought I'd leave it in because it was so hilarious. I've loved interviewing you, uh, probing well, it's been great, you mercilessly. A great way to start my week, as it were. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love to see what you did there. Thanks so much for doing this and doing this having, and a, having little, a little. Oh, oh, a little. A little. Oh, that well, thing's that happening, thing's again. happening again. Is that Lulu? <laughs> <laughs> Lily. Lily. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting in line for my turn. <laughs> but obviously, over keen, I'll piss off and you can finish. Hilarious. <laughs> All right, Kirsty. Lots of love to you and lots uh, of love and see you the in the fam. summer. I'll see you in the summer. Thanks so much. Bye, darling. Bye. Take care. Bye. Well, I'm putting that little audio cassette box back on my shelves. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me and Kirsty, and I hope you'll join me next time for another trip down memory lane in Alan Cummings' shelves. Alan Cummings' shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAS Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is Unaccountable. It's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the United States. It's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police, just like George Floyd, but also people like Mohammed Muhaimin, Shacey House and Carrie Illidge. And so many more you haven't heard about, but you really should have. The stories can be difficult to listen to, but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear. It's a podcast fighting for change, and we need to join that fight. Just search for Unaccountable in your podcast app now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.